Hello and welcome to In a Flash, your weekly in and out of the latest photo and tech news from around the lens. I'm Travis Keys. I'm David J. Murphy. Hey, David. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Glad to see you, Travis. How's your week been? It's not bad. Not bad. Keeping busy and doing lots of new fun edits and uh, shoots and stuff like that. Uh, and speaking of shoots, I think you have uh, some uh, new tech uh, that may be coming out uh, that we need to talk about. Well, yes, indeedy. Uh, it's been announced that the Canon R3 is the latest in their sort of um, full-frame mirrorless lineup. It's following, oh, no, of course, the R5 and the R6. You, you get a little jealous? You get a little envy that you got an R5 and now there's an R3? No, no. From what I've read, this is basically an R5 in a sort of bigger body with the built-in battery grip. So I'm not too worried about it. You know, I mean, it's a different class of camera for a different type of photographer. And I think it's actually kind of competing with the Sony Alpha 1. So it's that sort of super pro sports shooters things like, you know, but it's interesting because obviously, you know, the only other series of cameras from Canon that haven't been converted to the, you know, mirrorless um, new mount system, the R system is the one, you know, the 1DX Mark III, I think was uh, recently released or Mark IV, I forget. But, you know, again, it's will be interesting to see what follows the R3. But uh, what do you think about the new camera? I mean, it's certainly on the, the, the stats look really interesting. Interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. certainly they've built a new uh, full, full frame stacked BSMI, uh, BSI, BSI CMOS sensor, I guess, uh, 30 frames burst shooting, which is insane. That's faster than like, you know, what you'd see in the movies. Uh, yeah. Their dual pixel autofocus is pretty impressive. I, I've always been yeah. impressed with their, their autofocus. It's really good. And now that they have uh, new recognizable subjects with AF and uh, I, you know, I control AF, which mode and uh, all new design body. And it's, it, and, and I guess with the, the 1Ds, they really increase the weather ceiling too. So, I mean, it sounds, sounds like a really capable, like, you know, it's, it's their 1D line, you know, where it's, you know, it's, it takes a pounding, goes out there, and uh, it definitely sounds exciting. You know, I wonder if it's going to be at the same price point of the, the Sony A1s at that $6,500, which I would assume it would be somewhere in there, which is, you know, that's a lot of money. And I, I know it's a professional camera, but, you know, even, you know, I'm a professional, and I hear $6,500 in a camera, I'm like, oh, oh, maybe I'll wait a little bit, <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah, it's definitely a different class for people who want to, you know, have that exacting a high speed shutter for those sports photographers. You know, if you're going to the Olympics, you know, you're $6,500 on a camera is nothing, you know, I mean, you can't replace those moments. You can't redo that winning, you know, shot of someone crossing the finish line or whatever. So you have to make sure, you know, the gear you're going out there is flawless. Let me ask you this, Travis, you know, being the Sony enthusiast, you know, what are your, are your thoughts on the built-in battery grip sort of idea I've heard some people talk about, you know, some people like it, some people don't, you know, do you think Sony should have went with the built-in battery grip for the Alpha One, or do you think it's better that they keep it removable even on their higher end, you know, cameras? I mean, it's funny that you asked that. I never really kind of thought about it, but I mean, a lot of times when I uh, have bought those cameras, the Alpha cameras, especially, you know, like, because I, I have the, you know, A7R4s and, and, and everything up into that but uh, i've bought those battery grips for you know because it's got an extra battery in it i'm like the, you know ergonomics and all of that just to see it i always take it off i don't like it i actually like having that smaller camera in my hand and i haven't been really challenged about the batteries unless you know maybe you're shooting video or something like that and you can attach you know you know chargers and, and you, there's so many options other than the battery grip nowadays that i actually yeah. like that they don't do it i like it having be a little smaller i know some people like it but to have that option of have it or not have it i actually really am, fa am in favor of that just like some people are in favor of the tilt out screen and the and the uh and the tilt screen it's like yeah, some yeah. people love it and some people don't and which is kind of funny because the a1 didn't go 
with that, you know, fully articulating screen. Right. And it's their, you know, super high, you know, uh, flagship uh, camera. So it's, you know, people, people like one thing or another, and they're always going to gripe about it. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, yeah, I'm really kind of glad that uh, Sony didn't do the uh, automatic built-in battery grip on their camera. Yeah, I've always purchased battery grips for all my previous cameras, and I've considered it with the R5, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet because, again, I'm thinking, do I really need it? Do I really shoot anything right now? Do I need the extended battery life right now? You know, and I've got the battery grips for my previous Panasonics, but honestly, I don't even use them anymore. I've taken them off. The thing is, is like, I mean, if you feel like, you know, it's like for me, it's like, oh, if I need the extended battery, the the, the size of one battery in my pocket is a lot less than that (laughs) grip on the camera. So I'll just put your battery in my pocket. You know, it's like, it's not that big a deal for me. I know some people have bigger hands and want that, you know, the extra joystick when they go to, you know, portrait mode and stuff like that. And, uh, but it's not for me. I did want to touch on this one thing, though, with regard to battery grips, since we're talking about it. I've got the battery grips for the S1 series of cameras, and I find them to be actually more annoying than useful because as sort of the camera is resting by my side, it tends to like mess with the knobs that are on the sort of side of the battery grip. So I end up having to turn it off, you know just to make sure that when I pull my camera up, it's not like F22 or something crazy with, you know, the the camera. So again, I I like the battery grips. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we move on from Canon are the new lenses that they released. Yeah. um, Or announced, I should say, well, released one announced two, but you know, of course they released the 100 millimeter macro and then they've announced the 400 F2 and the 600 F4. Uh, What are your thoughts on any of these lenses? Did any of them intrigue you? All three of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, uh, you know, yeah, and on the Sony side, uh, the Sony has the, you know, and it's been one of their oldest lenses, the 90 macro, which is one of the sharpest and, and incredible lenses on the Sony line and have the, right. the 100 macro side on the Canon side. Um, sure. I think it's, uh, it's, it's for people that need that lens, it's a killer lens. It's not only it's a great portrait lens, but it's also a great macro lens. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's very exciting. And then when you're getting to, to the low aperture, you know, uh, zoom fast glass, that's really kind of exciting on all, all fronts, whether you're, you know, shooting, you know, birds or, you know, sports or something like that. Uh, it's an important, uh, you know, I think it's very important for the people that want to switch into mirrorless and, and shoot those type of events. They, they have to have those lenses and, uh, you know, so, so they're crucial. Do I use them often? No, not so much. I'm more in that portrait range. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, would I like to have them? Yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, we have to pick and choose what we're going to have in our arsenal. Um, and, uh, so, I mean, that, those are the important things to me. So in some sad uh, photo news this week, uh, uh, a co-founder of Adobe who helped develop the actual PDF, you know, portable document format has passed yeah. away. Uh, he was 81. Uh, his name was Chuck, uh, Chuck uh, or Charles as his formal name, Geshki. Uh, I guess it's called Geshki, G-E-S-H-E. K.E. Geshki, would that be, sure. that be yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I should know this since I, I do stuff for Adobe. But, know, right? uh, um, you know, it's 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 a big loss for the Adobe community. You know, he was definitely one of the, you know, the, the, you know, the founding forces of Adobe. And uh, uh, whether you like Adobe or, you know, its products or use it or not, uh, you know, it's uh, he helped uh, change the landscape of, you know, the way we, you know, digitally uh, deal with our photos and files. Uh, do you use Adobe products? Uh, I do. I think we all do, you know, to one degree or another. I, of course, I don't, um, I don't subscribe to the Adobe creative cloud anymore. I, I was tired of throwing $50 a month into that. Well, you can get, you know, you can get the, uh, the Photoshop and uh, Lightroom for $10 a month. True. True. I have considered it. I have yeah. considered it because it does, you know, 
like again i do and there are also some always some great deals out there you know adobe especially True. now in these days with the pandemic uh, adobe's been doing some fantastic one-year deals and some really yeah. uh, priced uh, to get people back in and, and take care of people in the community which is nice well, that's how they got me initially with the yeah. creative suite is I got into an, a one-year deal and I didn't realize it was only a one-year deal. I thought, okay, I got to keep this price forever, right? And then I found out like a year after that's how they uh, get the you. deal ended. Like, <laughs> oh no, I've been paying $50 a month for this? Ugh. But when you consider, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, the original price of uh, Photoshop was really expensive. And that was, you're talking yeah. just one program, you'd pay hundreds of dollars for Photoshop and then you wouldn't get Lightroom. You wouldn't get, you know, the Creative Cloud or anything like that. And you wouldn't get the updates right away or maybe you maybe did or, you know, it's like, so, you know, when you're talking about, you know, to get two amazing products, you know, for $10 a month, that's that's not a bad investment for for a professional. It's not a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely consider the Photoshop bundle because I am running into these issues where, you know, again, I'm just trying to edit my photos and I have to go through about half a dozen programs to actually make it work. And it's, it's not, it's not bad, but it's cumbersome as opposed to using bridge and just going right click and camera raw edit and all your settings are right there and you can make changes. So I am considering potentially going back to that um, just for ease of use. But, you know, for the most part, I've made do without it. I definitely would not get the creative suite because I've adopted DaVinci as my primary video right, editor. Right. I paid for that outright. I own it. Yeah. You'll get updates for free forever. You so. even went as far as to get the DaVinci controller, didn't you? I did. Yes. I got yeah. a speed editor. So I'm kind of pot committed to DaVinci now. Yeah. And I have gotten to the point where I can like edit through a, a video really quick with that after i optimize the video of course because i shoot everything right. in 8k oh that's great um but yeah before that but you know beyond that i mean you know this gench guy he did he did great stuff for the postscript i learned about you know his his company and his role in sort of moving us from dot matrix printers to printers that use typography and photos i mean he was instrumental for that yeah you know, that's kind of amazing to know like what he had a role in it it's it's like i put him up there with those guys who like invented html and right right video game controller and the video yeah. games and stuff so i mean if it wasn't for them the landscape of you know what we're doing today would be quite different oh yeah 100 yeah. absolutely yeah and uh speaking of what's different um, Wacom tablets uh, are coming out and there's a new one that is only $400 and it's basically like 13 inch, 13 inches. And it's, it's actually got this, there's a video screen, you know, you're actually looking at the monitor on the tablet so you can edit to the monitor and it's kind of making a lot of waves because usually these type of tablets are anywhere from like, you know, six, eight, $1,300, but this is an actual like affordable tablet and we were talking about monitors you and i because you know we're obviously trying to increase the productivity of the show yeah i mean maybe this will be something i buy instead of sort of like a cheap 10 inch monitor you know what do you think well, i think uh they unfortunately they're two really different purposes uh, you know you're not right. gonna you know plug this into your teleprompter and and, and you know the, the the 10 inch really kind of just sits in there it's 100 bucks and you know it just becomes a permanent right. part of your teleprompter whereas you know i think what's so amazing about uh wacom is that uh, you know granted they were you know they were kind of the leader in you know in the touch sensitivity their pen their their software and uh, to get into one of those wonderful you know tablet type of devices where you could draw right on the screen and see it right there it what you're right it was very expensive and uh, there were lots of cheap options coming out of you know uh, china and stuff like that uh, and knockoffs that uh, were, were okay but not uh, you know as good as a wacom uh, uh or wacom as many people say i know people go all over the place with saying it but uh now that uh, you know these price points on these monitors you know these little tablets have come down and you know the the uh you know, the 
resolution has gone up and the sensitivity has gotten better that Wacom can put in a $400 thing. It's really exciting. I mean, I, I tend to go back and forth where, you know, if I'm doing really fine work uh, with a pen and stuff like that, uh, I really like using it, but I've gotten so used to my kind of uh, uh, Logitech, uh, you know, uh, trackball that I, I kind of, it's amazing how much that I've gotten, you know, used to using that, uh, that I, I, it's hard for me to go to the Wacom, but uh there are times when I use it and I have a couple different, I have the, the, you know, a, a Wacom uh, medium size one. And then I have some knockoffs that uh, I can actually see on the screen and do it like yeah. the, the version that's out here. And they're, yeah. they're very, I mean, if you're in the industry and you're a professional, it's almost a necessity that you have one of these. Yeah. If you're doing a lot of photo retouching, which I know in your line of work, that's, it's more prevalent just because yeah. you're doing models and you're doing portraits. I'm not one of those documentaries like where I can't touch it. No. I am one of those ones that you touch it. <laughs> oh yeah. You gotta get all <laughs> and over touch that. it and touch it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've used Wacom tablets for like 20 years in one form or another, but I, I found myself in the last maybe five, 10 years, just not really needing or going to it much. And most of the time it's just kind of taking up space in my, in my junk drawer at this point. So, but I, you know, again, I've never used a Wacom tablet that had a screen in it, but if you're going yeah. with a screen-based tablet, why not just go with iPad? You know, I've got an iPad pro again, sitting in a, my, not a junk drawer, but in my camera bag that I don't use nearly as much. I got the Apple pencil and it's like, you can do some, I mean, if you want to kind of just do the entry into it, uh, I would see if you like it on the Apple, but uh, it's right. a slightly different experience and, and a much more precise experience on the, on the Wacom. So I mean, it, there, it's sort of, you know, night and day with using that and, and to create your best portrait, you know, or best, you know, landscape, which Sony just came out with their list of, you know, their winners for 2021, which is a right. Sony's for the world photography award. They've unveiled their year's best photographers. And every year, you know, people enter from all kinds of categories to best landscape, to, you know, portraiture, to, to news, to documentary, and this year was no exception of exceptional work and yeah. uh did you have a chance to see any of the photos oh 100 yeah i mean there's a lot of great stuff out there and it ranges you know it's it's not like just one category there's yeah. creative illustrative photographs there's sports there's documentary architecture and design so it's like they've definitely opened up here and uh you know i want you to enter this competition next next year travis i think you got a chance to win but my favorite kind of the one that stuck out to me the most here let me pull it up it was kind of in the creative category i mm. love this photo illustration series with the on the moon first place yeah. the moon revisited by mark hamilton gurchy or grutchy and it's just such a unique and uh, clever series of photographs that i just you know i haven't seen before so uh kudos to them for for their you know effort here in making these photos i i guess they've taken the nasa photos and they've just sort of superimposed these graphics or you know other photos into them to kind of make this artwork which still hey it, it's oh, and that's why it's you know in the creative category, you know, and yeah. it didn't, you know, you know, you certainly have the documentary where that you know they're not allowed to kind of touch things, and there's some amazing, right. amazing stuff that's been captured in that. The portraiture category this year was stellar. And, I mean, there's just some amazing, amazing work there. Even What's you know, your favorite? It, um, I tend to like the because I am a portraiture shooter. I love sure. what you know, some of the photos that were in the portraiture. You know, uh, looking out from within. Uh, which got second place in the portraiture. I really, really liked. And even the, which seemed like it's a documentary uh, piece, which it probably is, is uh, third place was uh, drag queen cowboys, uh, mm -hmm. which was just an incredible, incredible kind of, a, I, it 
probably could have been entered in both categories, but there's also yeah. some great, you know, as usual, it's like sports is just always kind of, if you capture that excitement or moment, there's some great sports photos, uh, you know, that are really wonderful. Um, there's some good stuff in still life, although still life has never been that exciting for me, you know, and wildlife yeah. and nature, which I tend to love that second place. Uh, um, there's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, like lions and, and stuff in Africa. That's uh, some black and white photos that, um, I believe, uh, it was, uh, Graham Purdy that uh, took the photos and they're, they're really, really kind of beautiful. Uh, and, uh, some, there's just, so it's, it's inspiring to see all the different work out there. And especially as a photographer, you want to look at other people's work and see what they're doing and, and get inspiration or, you know, get moved. And, uh, that's what we do. So it's about looking and loving these pictures. It's the art form that we kind of fell in love with. Let me ask you this, Travis, do you know, and I was trying to find this in the story. Is this a, like, did you have to shoot this imagery with a Sony camera in order no, to enter it? No, they don't, they don't. Uh, yeah. Sony is actually really good about that. And even, even the events they, they, they put on like con condo and stuff like that. They're like, Nope, just bring any camera you can just kind of, kind of, you know, come to the, they kind of just, create this amazing culture and they say, no, come as you are. You know, if you like the Sony stuff, this is what we have, but we're not going to sell you on, you know, it's, it's like this non-pass by not selling you on yeah. it. They're selling you on it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, you know, they just kind of inspire you and say, you know, it's like, if you've seen any of their kind of uh, uh, videos that, that uh, you know, about the alpha line, it's like, it's the most motivating videos. Like you want to put it on every morning. It's like, you know, it's like, ah, I have to embrace the day. I have to go out and seize it all. It's like, they're just, you know, it's, yeah, it's almost a required, you know, viewing for me in the morning. Cause it just gets me like, all right, I need to do, I need to get my button gear and not, uh, not come up with excuses and just go shoot. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I'm glad that uh, if I come over there to the next condo with my Canon R5, yeah. they're not going to shun me. No, not at all. In fact, some people want to probably take a look and play with it. <laughs> Heck yeah. But you know where they have a bunch of different cameras and where Canon is dominated is another little competition you may have heard of called the World Press Photo Competition. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the 2021 winners were recently announced and they did a sort of snapshot, if you will, of all the sort of cameras that were utilized uh, by those you know top winning photographs. And the number one camera was the Canon 5D Mark III, which is pretty interesting, followed by the 5D Mark IV. Um, and also, you know, again, the Canon 5D Mark II is also a, actually, make sure I'm not misreading this chart because they said the most common camera was the Canon 5D Mark II. So it's I guess amazing, the 5D Mark You know what? I have seen that. It seems that people that are using Canons like really just use them until they stop working oh, yeah. uh they're so solid they you know and especially in the photojournalism journalism world canon oh, yeah. just kind of you know has been dominant for a long time and uh it those the 5d3 mark III was an incredible camera it's still an incredible yeah. camera and, and when the four came out it it wasn't that big a departure. It wasn't that big a leap. So people like, ah, eh, I don't yeah. really need the four, the three still amazing. And it makes sense that Canon is so up there. What I'm, you know, I'm going to be interested in to see is, is next year. If Sony doesn't jump up a couple levels, not only because, mm -hmm. you know, now they're the official camera of, you know, uh, the associated press, but also with, with these a ones and all these other, these cameras, and you're seeing them more and more, uh, and the, you know, I would, I'm kind of interested to see if they don't jump up a level two and start, uh, you know, biting the heels of Canon. I mean, the Sony a7 III is not too far down on the list. So, I, you know, I would definitely tell, you know, the Canon shooters to watch out. But it is, you know, obviously very nice to see Canon recognize. And you, like you said, those cameras, they just stick around forever. Yeah. I mean, I'd still be using my 5D Mark II right now if it weren't for 
you know, again, my desire to shoot video and higher resolution right. video. That's honestly what's pushed me to get new cameras is my desire for, you know, res high resolution video. But I will say getting the, you know, the high resolution stills from the R5 has been a dream just with, you know, being able to edit and whatnot. But what I found interesting too on the list here is the rise of drones. You know, we've been making notes about this for the last five years on the show. Whenever these competitions come out, we're always like, oh, look, more drone shots. And the DJI Mavic 2 Pro is the third highest rated camera on here. So that's that's just amazing. Which, uh, you know, uh, we didn't even discuss this week because there's so many uh, new things coming out in text-wise. DJI just came out with their Air uh, 2S, which uh, has a one-inch sensor on it, which yeah. is smaller than the Pro. And they're saying the resolution, and it's it's basically as good as the Mavic 2. Uh, yeah. uh, so they're, they're, it's that you can take something so small and put it in your camera bag next to your camera and, you know, have it in there as a tool is just unbelievable. Uh, it's, uh, there's so many things out there today that we get to play with. You know, you, you imagine, you know, when you were, you know, first starting out that you could actually have all that in your camera bag. <laughs> it's just... I, I would not have thought. I remember back in the day when the drones, you know, DJ, was just coming out with those drones and it was like, you needed a whole separate case for that thing. And it was like, you know, it was really the quadcopter mystique. And, and I kept on seeing all of like Casey Neistat's videos where he would yeah. pop out the drone and stuff like that. But you know, now, and I can just collapse it as small as this. No. And, and, and you uh, know what? It's great. It's, there's a, uh, you know, like we discussed last week with the other drone that uh, could, you know, kind of uh, had the, uh, you know, gimbal feature that you could take it and use it as a handheld camera, as a gimbal and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. as they're compacting everything, you know, it's uh, I, I, an interesting story uh, that I saw pop up recently was uh, at what point does all this technology make photography so easy that people might, consider it not actually an art form because you know suddenly you know like the algorithms that you can change the depth of field in a post or you can you know yeah. stabilize everything it's like is it is it taking too much out of our hands the technology of that it's an interesting question well you know if you ask people nowadays they don't have much respect for photography right because no. i mean phones can do so much so easily i mean i honestly tell people a lot of times like if they don't have a regular camera that their phone is just about as good 90 no. 90 of the way there in most cases so and what's been interesting too on this list is you have some phones making it you know like the iphone 6s was up there and i think there was a breakdown of like let's see the pie chart here and it shows mobiles are definitely not a big chunk, but, you know, it's more so than they were probably a few years ago. So, and I, you know, it's, it's true because I, I have a, a iPhone 12 uh, pro max and right. uh, I've actually recently been kind of forcing myself to shoot the best pictures I can on that in place of a, a uh, you know, a, what my Sony, you know, mirrorless or something like that, just to see yeah. how far I can push it and how much I can do on the fly. And I am so impressed that, you know, suddenly like if I'm out, I can shoot a portrait or light it with, you know, I have a little pro photo that's uh, synced to my uh, iPhone that I can light instantly. I can edit instantly. I can add it, you know, to some cool graphics or edit it in, in, in so many different, you know, apps that are out there and do such like I can make a, a motion or I can do, I can do graphics to it or text it and suddenly put it up to the internet within like minutes. And it's a, that ability to have all that in just something of the size that fits in your pocket is unbelievable. You know, it, speaking of like new gear, one of the most exciting things when you get something like new, like a camera, like when you got your i5, what are the first settings? What are the first things you go to, to really kind of like tweak it? Yeah. You know, honestly, not when I first got it, but as I've sort of gotten more used to it, I've been learning the different camera settings to try and make it more fit the way I shoot. And so 
what I've done recently actually is change how I use video on it because the way the, the Canon works is if you, you know, initially out the box, if you want to change from photo to video, you have to like press, you know, in, you have to like press the menu button, then the info button, and then it switches. Right. And I was like, right. I don't want to press two buttons just to switch from photo to video. I came from Panasonic where it's like, I have a dedicated red record button. I just press it and I'm shooting. Yeah. And so I didn't want to use that on the Canon because if you're in the photo mode and you press that, it goes, it defaults to like 1080p, or at least I thought I'll get back to that. But anyways, I messed around with the menu. So now it's just a one button press, but I also found out that I can change the default record setting of that record button. So when I'm in photo mode now, I just press the record button. I'm shooting 8k video, which is what I want. So again, you know, just kind of like learning the systems, but I'd say the, the first thing I do outside the box is I, I make sure that the, memory card you know you can't shoot with without the memory card you have to have the memory card in i have busted my fair share of photo uh sets because i i had that on i'm thinking i'm taking pictures and then i look down like nope i didn't get any of that it's funny because most you? people you know are so inclined to you know pixel peep or you know so like that so after that first picture mm -hmm. they go and you know they would see oh there's no you know you know, card in the camera, but uh, there are people that shoot uh, for extended periods without looking and boy, that must hurt. Because uh, of my documentary style, I mean, I started yeah. out with film, so I'm used to not like chimping. I, I no, don't that's like great. That's great. You know, I, I think you need to, you know, a lot of people nowadays aren't confident enough in their skills, uh, so they always right. feel like they need to constantly look and look and look and look to see if they've got it, which, uh, you yeah. know, it's, it, you really need to master it. For me, I think the most important things besides setting, you know, that I wanted to shoot to raw uh, right, instead of right. JPEG and, you know, I yeah. want to the, the maximum file out of it is I want to make sure the muscle memory of I, I I have to know where my aperture ISO and shutter speed are that I can do it, you know, yeah. without looking and those, you know, on the mirrorless cameras, you know, the old cameras, those had dedicated buttons and some of the newer cameras like the Fuji's, you know, have those dedicated buttons, but on the, the Sony's where you have so many customizable buttons from I auto, I autofocus, like you could do so many different settings to it. I want to make sure that, you know, each wheel is like that. My thumb is always the ISO my, you know, and on the, on the jog wheel and then a Above that, the dedicated you know scroll wheel that you know it's an aperture and the, on the front of the scroll wheel that it's you know shutter speed. So I know automatically in my head when I put that camera up that if I oh I need to show slow down my shutter speed that I know where it is. I don't need to look. It's just I can do it muscle memory, uh, and that's so important. So because getting that you know that shot just right on the fly sometimes you can't miss a second or a beat and uh, you know have to know where those settings are without kind of like bringing the camera back down looking. By the time you bring it back up, you've missed the shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I tend to kind of adjust to the camera system I'm using, you know, yeah. like, and I'd say that's been, you know, sort of a, a little bit of a learning curve with the Canon because there's more controls that are kind of, how do you say, fly by wire as opposed to dedicated buttons or dedicated knobs, especially with some of the more incremental settings, uh, like, for instance, the drive and I would say sort of the ISO and stuff like that's kind of built into the digital system. I've gotten used to it, but that took a little bit of getting used to. Uh, what about back button autofocus? Do you use that? Are you a back I'm not one of those guy? people? Yeah, yeah I, I you know I'm one of those people. Like I hit the shutter button, it starts to focus. That's when I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I, I also use. It. I'm very. I'm not someone that uses like you know a wide uh, zone. You know, kind of a automatic zone. You know, or autofocus type of feature. I'm really kind of. I use a large uh, or, or medium kind of a pinpoint spot and use my joystick. 
stick oh, to change okay. my my focus dot and i'm always telling it exactly where i want it to focus so I, i'm very quick okay. to move that autofocus you know uh the little uh dot to like over someone's eye or you know but uh, you know with the cameras are getting so smart that you know you just put it in the general area like you know if it, i'm shooting you it suddenly it sees your eyes and autofocuses yeah. on your eyes i mean the cameras are getting really smart and fast in that way yeah, and that's how, that intrigues me about the R3 is the eye autofocus because obviously that's a, a capability that was taken from their legacy um, cameras. And so I'd be interested to see if that finds its way into other EOS um, R cameras. You and when know. you say eye autofocus, we're not talking about like the like the Sony and Fuji where it, no. it finds the viewer's eye. It knows where you're yeah. looking. And yeah, I right. have an EOS three, which was a film camera oh, that really? has that, oh, uh, it has that uh, feature yeah. in it, which is, you know, before I went to, that was, I think that was the last one before they went to the, you know, the 5D Mark IV, that EOS yeah. three. Uh, and I actually have that camera that has the eye autofocus in it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, this is 20, 30 years of advancement technology. So it'd be interesting to see how they implement it on the new system. Yeah. Another thing too, with the cannons that I've tried to get used to is the control ring. So I actually did adjust that. I adjusted it to, I made it to do the exposure compensation. Mm. So the EV pushing either way, because sometimes, you know, again, I'll, I'll be shooting a scene that has very high contrast and I'll want to expose for the shadowed area. And typically I would have to go to like manual mode and, you know, change my settings manually to get sort of that, or, you know, play, you know, play around with some other settings, but with the control wheel, I can just, boost the ev a little bit and i get into that um area it's amazing how customizable cameras have become and and have been yeah. i mean i'm i'm someone that's not, i have not taken advantage of them and i wonder if you have of the custom one two and three buttons you know on die on the dial i've never ever right. really used those and they've always been there and i've never taken advantage of them how about you <laughs> actually that's it's something i uh, last few weeks like two weeks ago or something i was playing with that because i really wanted to learn the customizable because you know people are like talking about how they have a setting for like high speed and a setting for like 1080 and a setting yep. for 8k and all that i'm like i really need to do that because i'm like manually going in the menus and changing it every time i need to have a setting and i do that now each of the settings on the wheel is a different oh, like shutter speed or a frame oh, rate. So I've makes got, it's like, so great to be able to switch it so quickly on the fly oh, and have yeah. it preset and ready to go even if you need to tweak one little thing it's all basically there now well, that's how I figured out, you know, the red record button on the R5, how I figured out how to change it is I had to go and like create a custom setting to what I wanted. And now it does it. So, yeah, yeah. just learn the camera. So, yeah. Well, it's camera. exciting stuff and we love playing with the new gear. And I think that uh, brings us to the conclusion of our of this week. Uh, I think so. I think that's all the news that happened in the last week. That's our quick that's in and out of the about. news. <laughs> that's right. In and out, just like the burger joint. So for In a Flash, uh, I'm Travis Keys, And I'm David J. Murphy. We'll see you next week. All right. We're bouncing. <laughs>